Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Deer, the intern for Biblical Counseling. Today's episode marks the fourth in our series discussing suicide. Today, we discuss two myths of being a caretaker with a loved one struggling with suicidal thinking. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you'd like to stay aware of new episodes, you can download our app by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the app store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to 1A. This is Josh Squires, your pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church. And joining me, as always, is... Josh Adair, the intern for counseling here. (laughs) It's good to be back with you, (laughs) Josh. The intern. My (laughs) intern. Okay, Josh, so we are continuing in our series talking about suicide. Yes. And, you know, where we've been, just to remind you, our listeners, is we spent our first couple episodes, particularly our last two episodes, talking about, you know, what suicide reveals to us Mm -hmm. about how we think about this particular kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. And then we, last episode, we built a biopsychosocial sort of framework for how does this actually manifest itself in someone's life? Yeah. Where does it come from? How can we get to that particular place? Yeah. And that's because our overarching theme is to really think about, there's two ways that the literature seems to point to in how you deal with this issue. There's prevention and then there's intervention. And we're, Lord, willing going to address prevention from the the side of a loved one yeah is you're you're the family member of a loved one who is struggling with this today but our ultimate goal is also to even talk about the process of even grieving through uh, suicide as someone who has a loved one who succeeded in the attempt at taking their own life as well and that's a good place for us to just again put out the warning that we put at the beginning of each of these particular episodes with this series This series is a little bit stronger than a number of the issues that we've talked about. It can create a pretty strong reaction in people, especially if you or someone you know have really struggled with suicidal ideation or if you have a loved one that has actually committed suicide. So if that's you, and again, you've been listening to these series, I will give you the same warning that I've given you throughout, which is try not to listen to this on the road when you're driving or in the middle of like mowing the lawn or something like that. This is a series that probably will require you to go someplace where just in case it touches on something intense for you, you have the freedom to weep. You have the freedom to cry out. You have the freedom to pause and go to the Lord and receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit and not have yourself in a position where you're driving 50 mile an hour on the interstate or something like that. That's definitely a bad place to be in. <laughs> it, it would be a bad place to be. Yeah. So this is our version of a trigger warning. I'm not much for trigger warnings as such. In fact, the entire <laughs> phrase kind of frustrates me. But this is one of those places where genuinely you can find yourself kind of in a very emotionally intense place, Mm -hmm. losing track of time, losing track of where you are Mm -hmm. because it trips something for you. So just be very careful as you listen to this particular series. Yeah, and if you are someone who is actually struggling, uh, in the midst of struggling with suicidal ideation right now, we also want to point you to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Yep. uh, That phone number is 800-273-8255. 
five, if if you're in the midst of uh, thinking about acting upon uh, suicidal ideation right now, you need to stop listening to a podcast, right? And you need to call these people right. or call a friend yep. and reach out to someone eventually here at the church as well. That's or right. Or our counseling center. That's right. Counseling center and myself were all available. So is Josh. Yeah. And we would love to talk to you and just come alongside you in the midst of a very very difficult place. Yeah, and so uh, now that that's been shared, Josh, I think it'd be appropriate for us to talk about you know, where we want to go today. We want to address this topic through the lens of, of someone who has a loved one who's struggling with suicide. Because mm-hmm. this, I mean, we were even discussing this just a few moments ago before we recorded of yeah. there's, there's so much lack of just wisdom on yeah. how to actually deal with this. Yeah. Uh, there's so much confusion about it. We've talked yeah. about a little bit of the nuance of how suicide manifests itself, but still, when you're someone who's there, it can feel as if your your loved one, if you've got a loved one struggling with this, it can really feel like there's just this cloud that's always following them around, and there's no amount of sunshine that can go, but you're also kind of walking on eggshells yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think it'd be helpful for us to think from a caretaking perspective You've talked about myths yeah. uh, about suicide. What do you think are some of the myths that people who have a loved one struggling with suicide believe? Yeah, I think that there are a number of myths. Sure. First and foremost is is that it's all on me. Mm. If I don't say the right thing, if I don't respond in the right way, then this person is going to take their own life. And if they take their own life, it is my fault. Mm. And that is a very difficult place to be. It will drain you yeah. so quickly and burn you out. And you will begin to resent them hmm. for even bringing this up. Yeah, you will resent your loved one. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you will begin to close the door on them because whenever they say it, it feels like all of a sudden, I didn't want to, but now I'm, I'm standing here with a gun in my hand. Mm. And, and I'm responsible if it goes off. And, oh, and that's yeah. not, I've got enough on my plate in my life to have to worry about something like that. Mm. And so if instead you say, I'm, I'm just an asset, I'm just here to help them yeah. think about why this is not the way the Lord would have them go mm. and to let them know two main truths, which is you are not alone. This pain will pass, mm. right? The, those two truths. And I'm here to help them with that. Whatever they do and wherever they go is still on them. Mm. So I think, I think the first thing is to say, you know, don't don't become over-responsible in mm. this particular moment. Yeah. The second myth is, is that suicide is always a cry for attention. Yes. So one of the things that people begin to get sucked down into mm. is that suicide, people aren't really serious about suicide. They're only doing it because they're starved for attention. Yeah. I can speak of uh, instances that I've known where that has actually been the case. You were even saying it's not uncommon for most people to experience some sort of attention-grabbing kind of manipulation that comes along with this very difficult and delicate topic. That's right. Uh, And and oftentimes in that adolescent to young adult sort of window where you'll have a friend or a loved one who will say something about suicide or or a parent will discipline a child and a child will bring it up or whatever it is as a weapon, as a way to manipulate or gather attention, that does happen. Hmm. So the the myth is is that it's always that. Whenever Hmm. anyone brings up suicide, it is only and ever a cry for attention 
rather than something serious. Which is why when someone talks about suicide, you want to respond in a loving, consistent, and serious way, mm. right? And we'll talk about kind of the four questions that yeah. we want to try and get to the bottom of if someone brings this up. But if you get to the point where someone you love is saying, yes, I am intending on taking my life, like if you don't give me attention, if you break up with me, yeah. if you whatever, <laughs> yeah. right, then I'm going to take my own life. Mm-hmm. You treat that as someone who's having a heart attack on the sidewalk. Sure. That's a really good analogy. You don't just walk by. Yeah. Right? You call 911. You get the people. Can can you, if you've not been trained on CPR, do something for them? Probably not. Yeah. If you don't know where the, you know leads are for the heart machine to get to kind of jumpstart someone's heart. Yeah. There's not much you can do other than get the professionals around them. Stay with them until the professionals come. Sure. Right. That's a very similar. If you say I intend to harm myself, even if there's an if after that, Mm -hmm. then you say, okay, this has gone beyond my ability to support on my own. I'm getting the professionals around you. Mm. That usually means getting like a a doctor, a counselor, 911, police, Mm-hmm. medics, someone there that know how to deal with this particular issue and get this person under the appropriate care. Yeah. And what that does is it does two things. One, it gets appropriate care to those who are genuinely intent on hurting themselves. It's really sure. hard to hurt yourself when you're under the protective care of, you know, a in treatment facility like a hospital mm-hmm. or with the uh, police or something like that. And it de-incentivizes people to use suicide as a manipulation tool. Yeah. Right? And we want to do both things. We want to get care for those who need it. We want to remove it as a tool for those who would use it as a form of manipulation. The more you're manipulated by people who use suicide as a tool for manipulation, yeah. the less likely you are to listen to someone who's genuinely struggling with suicide and offer them help, Mm. right? So I think that myth kind of cuts two ways in the sense of people think that it's always a cry for help and therefore they can kind of demean what it means or I'm on the the hook for this person and Mm. therefore I've got to make sure that I keep them alive. Mm. And and you want to make sure that you're, you, you don't fall into either one of those particular ditches. Absolutely. So if I hear what you're saying, it's... The two the two myths again are don't be an island. Yeah, this is not something you're meant to handle alone. Right, you're not responsible for their life. And then right. the other myth would be every suicide threat is going to convert into a suicide attempt. Right, right, right. That is a myth that every suicide threat is an actual attempt. Absolutely. Um, but that's the thing is like we don't have foreknowledge. That's right. <laughs> we can't know. But right. what we can do is we can be prepared in those situations. And we can ask questions. Yeah. If we ask the questions that you try to be responsible to somebody mm-hmm. and say, are you intending to take your own life? And they say no. And we don't have any evidence that they're lying to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if someone has given away all their precious belongings and they're walking around with a gun in their hand and you say, are you going to hurt yourself? And they say, no, you probably need to think that they're lying to you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Right. And you probably need to call sure. the paramedics or yeah. the cops or someone to come and help out. Sure. But if you've got no evidence of, of that sort of caliber and you ask someone, are you intent on harming yourself? They can lie to you, but you've done everything you can do yeah. to try and help them prevent it. Absolutely. 
Well, Josh, it's actually really helpful for us to talk through those myths, but I think I want to stop us here for this episode. So um, tune in next time as we continue to discuss these these myths. Uh, We continue to build on the myths that caretakers endure as we actually look at four questions that can help caretakers who have loved ones struggling with suicide enter into and intervene in the life of a loved one who's in the midst of a suicidal episode. We hope that you'll join us again next time and that this ministry has been a blessing to you. If you have any questions about something you've heard on our show or just want to reach out and have someone who you can talk to about what we've been discussing, please don't hesitate to contact Reverend Squires at jsquires at firstpresscolumbia.org or myself, Jay Adair, at firstpresscolumbia.org. That's jsquires or Jay Adair at firstpresscolumbia.org. We hope that you'll join us again next time. And until then, God bless. <laughs>